0: You have a purpose, and uh, you have a plan. And I mentioned last week how, you know, God makes no mistakes. And, uh, you know, you have a reason uh, that you're here. You have a reason for living. And uh, we talked several weeks ago about how God has predetermined plans for your life. And, um, you know, he, we talked about how He repurposes our uh, occupation into a vocation. And how we all share, really, in the same calling. Uh, We are all to make disciples. Uh, Every believer is to fulfill the Great Commission. And uh, we know the purpose of our church is to honor God, right, by seeing lives changed, by bringing people to Jesus Christ and discipling them. And if you're a member of this church, you share in that purpose, that you are to make disciples. And uh, we all do. And then last week we talked about this idea of denying self and, and, and dying to self. And really, I believe, if, if there's one person that's going to get in the way of your calling, okay, if there's one person that's going to get in the way of you fulfilling what God wants you to do, it's you. And uh, you, you, you get in your way. I get in my way so often. And so uh, today we're going to kind of um, piggyback off of, off of some of those thoughts. And go a little bit further, a little bit deeper. So, uh, how many of you enjoy uh, cereal? Cereal for breakfast, all right? Cereal lovers. How many of you like? And this is uh, this is when I get the craving. Okay, ten o'clock at night, cereal at, for dessert, late at night. Ugh, oh, I love cereal. And you know, I I don't know this. I didn't know this until my wife told me. You know, uh, Leslie spent a lot of her years in Germany. You know, there, her family was a missionary. We're missionaries over there. And so she told me that, uh, you know, when they were in Germany, you really didn't have much many options in terms of cereal. You know, you go to the grocery store, and they just didn't have a big aisle. But then you come here, and we have an entire aisle, right, both sides, just full of so many options of different cereal. And, uh, you know, there's the, the real cereal, like the good cereal, and then there's the generic cereal, right? And we don't want the generic stuff. Because that leaves like a bad aftertaste. You know, it might taste the same for a while, but then eventually you think this just isn't the real stuff, right? This is—I I want the real thing. My favorite cereals are Captain Crunch and uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Anyone else? No? Frosted, Frosted Flakes. What Frosted Flakes? Yeah. was well, yours, Melinda? Cheerios. Cheerios. That's boring. <laughs> at least, at least do Honey Nut. <laughs> All right. Well. Here's, here's what you'll learn about cereal, and it's really the same in the Christian life. If you keep eating generic cereal, eventually your taste buds change, and you settle for less than best. Right? You just get used to it. You settle for less than best. And the same thing goes with the generic life. Many of you, because you've just settled with the mundane, routine events of life, you've settled for the generic life. And so you're just kind of going through the motions you're just kind of coasting, but you know, I believe that God has more for you. you believe that? God has more, and uh he has more for us and and i and I hope that our church i hope that I hope that we want more of God, and I believe you do, or else you wouldn't be here today. more of God, more of his presence, more of his power, more of his person. But I want to talk this morning about, you know, what what does it mean to have more of God? Yeah, you know, I've made that, that comment over the past several weeks. But what does it really mean to have more of God? What does it mean to have a genuine faith in God? Jeremiah is going to deliver his first message. And so if you're not there, please turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. And uh, we're going to hear Jeremiah's message to the people. And... Um, He's going to talk to them about how they've strayed. And He's going to talk to them about repentance. And uh, you may be wondering, you know, why are we going to talk about returning and repenting to the Lord in a message about what I'm created for? Well, the reason is, until you can figure out what you're created for, you have to cleanse yourself. You have to empty yourself of you. And uh, anything that would fill that space that's rightfully His. You know, God can't fill you. When you're already full. And we talked about that last week. How so many of us are, are just full of ourselves. And full of stuff and possessions. And, and culture and image. And all these other things. Well, Jeremiah chapter 2. Let's begin reading in verse number 6. Okay, Jeremiah says here. Neither said they, where's the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? That led us through the wilderness. Through a land of deserts and of pits. Through a land of drought?" And of the shadow of death through a land that no man passed through, and where no man dwelt. Jump down to verse 8. The priests said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things, or these idols, that do not profit. All right, let's pray together before we get started. Lord, again, we... uh, We ask that you would right now just empty us of ourselves. Lord, take away any distractions. Help me not to be a distraction. And God, honestly, I I pray that, that that the people here would not even hear from me this morning, but they would hear from you. God, that your word would not return void, that you would speak to all of our hearts, and God, that we would hear from you. Lord, help us to be obedient, and God, show us uh, what we need today, and uh, we'll thank you and praise you for it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so I want to teach you two insights here in this uh, passage. We'll pick up one in chapter two, and then we're going to pick up another one later in chapter four, but the first one is this. We need to realize first how far we have strayed, okay? Number one, realize how far you have, have wandered. We read here that the nation of Israel has forgotten God. And that's really odd to think about. You know, this is the God who brought them out of the bondage of Egypt. This is the God who went with them for 40 years and did so many miraculous things. I mean, we talked about, you know, the Red Sea and just all these things. And and now they're in the promised land. And in just a short period of time, not much time has passed, they have forgotten God. And I know what you're saying, you know, that's, that's crazy. You know, how, how, how can that happen? But, you know, I would say we've all done the same thing. You know, there, there are many times where God has been working in my life or, you know, God is doing something that I'm just unaware of because I'm not thinking of Him. I, I've forgotten Him. You know, things are good. And, you know, what, you know, when we really turn to God is when things are bad. You know, it seems like when things are good, the bills are paid, um, you know, I'm in good health, um, you know, not really many cares. That's when we tend to forget God. But then when the rug comes out from under us, we think, you know, oh, you know, now we want to talk to the Lord. But here we see they, they have forgotten. Where's the Lord? You know, I don't see him. I don't sense. I don't sense him. But what's even worse, look at what else he says, the priests have forgotten God. Think about that. The pastors, the, the leaders here, the ministers in, in, this, uh, in this group of people have forgotten God. And what have they done? Look at the end of verse 8. The prophets prophesied by Baal, and they walked after things that, that, do, that do not profit. Now, what you're going to see in Jeremiah, and it's really through the whole Old Testament, that God has a big problem with idols. God has a big problem with it. And not just because it steals glory and robs glory from God, but really it robs something from me and you. An idol will always let you down. I can promise you that. It will always let you down. You may get some momentary satisfaction. And I know what you're thinking, but Daniel, you know, I don't worship idols. You know, I don't have a carved image in my house. Uh, you know, I don't have a picture hanging in my living room. You know, I don't bow to anything. I don't, I don't worship uh, any statue or anything like that. But I want you to understand, and you know this already, that idols come in different forms today. They don't come in carved images and statues. They come in the form of pig skins and television screens. You know, our idols today are are you know, sports, recreation, um, money, possessions, self-image, status. They come in the form of technology and social media. And and here's how you know there's an idol in your life. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, anything you love more than God is an idol. Anything you love more than God is an idol. Not only do idols distract us from God where we say, you know, where is God, but uh, there are distractions in life that distract us. Let's look at some of them here. Uh, the first distraction that I've written down here is the expectation of others. The expectation of others. This is the person others want me to be. And you know, there are people, sadly, in this room. And I don't have anyone in mind, but just uh, just thinking statistically, okay, there's probably someone in this room that's living someone else's dream. And you, and you know who you are. You're, you're living a life that you were never meant to live. Because you, you're living, you know, with the expectation of others in mind. You're living uh, based on the approval and the expectation of your mother or your father. Or maybe a, a sister or brother, maybe your spouse. The approval of others will lead us to live a life that we were never meant to live A second distraction is the imitation of success. This is the person that the world wants me to be. Um, This is the American dream. And uh, I would say, you know, we need to give up the American dream and start living the kingdom dream. We need to be kingdom-minded. You know, denying self, dying to self. Let it not be said that you gave your life for temporal things. You know, don't live for temporary things. Uh, We know this. You know, many of us, we've been in church long enough that... This is all going to burn up one day. Uh, So, you know, don't live for the temporary things. Live for for eternal things. But the American dream is to get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the lid. Right? Keep it all yourself. That's the dream. And you see the bumper stickers, maybe. He who dies with the most toys, what? Wins. Right? That's the American dream. And we know a lot of people who have climbed the corporate ladder and they've experienced success only to realize that years later the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And they've really just wasted their life. It's meaningless. And the problem with climbing the ladder so high high is that there's really no graceful way down, is there? And so the third thing that distracts us from doing what God wants us to do is the infatuation of money. And this is the person they pay me to be. You know, we seek fame. We seek fortune and retirement and money. And now we all know people, I'm sure, who have, who have had a lot of possessions, and it's really changed them. It's really changed their character and who they are. The fourth uh, distraction could be just the preoccupation of life, how we spend our time. And this affects all of us. Listen, the greatest strategy of Satan today, and, and, and here's the thing. Once you understand that this is his strategy, you can overcome it. Okay, you can get victory over this. But I believe the greatest strategy of Satan is just busyness in our life. Busyness. Just keep him busy. You know, just, just, just put things in front of him. Distractions. Because... If he keeps you busy with the tyranny of the urgent, then you can never look forward to what God's going to do in your life. You can never look back at what God has done. And you really miss the present with what God is doing right now in your life. And so we're busy. We're just busy. And, 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 and we forget God. And uh, we just, we're, we're just apart from him. And, and uh, you know, I used to be caught up in this. You know, someone would uh, ask me how I'm doing. And uh, I would often say, I'm busy. You know, I'm very busy. And I would almost wear it like a badge of honor, like I was really proud of it. You know, like, I'm just, man, I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm so busy. And now, really, I'm ashamed to say that. Because you show me a busy person, and I'll show you someone that has wandered from God. Because what does the Bible say? Be still and know that I am God. Right? Let me say it a different way. If you want to know God, you have to be still. And I think this is a spiritual discipline that I, I neglect, and I think many of us neglect, is, is, is this spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. You know, I did this with our teenagers a few weeks ago. We were talking about silence and solitude. And I told them, we were in, our, in the room, and I said, Hey, just, just be quiet for a minute. Just, just be quiet. And we just sat there. And, and it became very awkward. You know, um, and it it was awkward. But noise, you know, we just have so much noise. We get in the car, what do we do? The radio. Get home, TV. You know, talking on the phone. It's just, we never take the time to just slow down, be still, and know that I'm God. Just spend time with Him. And I believe that changes us. When we detach from the busyness of life, we go to a quiet, secret place to hear the still, small voice. And, you know, some people say, I just don't hear God speaking. No, God is speaking. It's just we, we don't listen. We're not listening. And so when we don't listen to God, we keep doing what's right in our own eyes. We keep getting off course. And what happens? The devil wins. And just, you know, just keep him busy. And we get busier and busier And we really miss the life that we were created for. Let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy God? And just don't answer it out loud, but just think about it. Do you enjoy God? I asked our teenagers this question several weeks ago. Do you enjoy your prayer time? Not do you have a prayer time. Okay, it's different. Do Do you enjoy your prayer time? That's convicting to me. Prayer is hard work. To me, okay, prayer's not fun a lot of times. Prayer is just it's a discipline, right? Do you enjoy it? Prayer is the gasoline that lights the fire in a church. You know, we, and we have a lot to we have a lot to pray about. We have a lot to pray about. You know, we're gonna be saying more about it in the in the coming months, I'm sure. But, you know, talking about us getting out of the gym, the gym needs a lot of work. I mean, it's old, you know, it's just old. It's no one's fault. It's just, it's just old. It needs work. Right. Um, and so we need to raise money and it's not just, uh, you know, well, you know, we need to put some paint on the walls. No, we need to raise, we need to raise some money for that gym. I'm talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, I know some of you may be saying, "But we're a small church, but we have a big God, you know." And I believe that I believe that it can be done. I know it can. I know it can. And it, it's going to take time, or maybe it won't. You know, maybe there's someone sitting here right now saying, "You know, my granddaddy left me a million dollars. I'm going to give it all to you right now. Hey, I will take it. Okay, we'll put it in the bank tomorrow." Um, but a lot to pray about. Let me ask you this question. What are you doing with your life? That's a big question. Not 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 what do you do for a living, not, not that, not your occupation. But like what, what are you really doing with, with your life? What am I doing with it? You know, when when you were a child, you grew up wanting to change the world, but somewhere along the way you've become consumed with it. When you were a teenager, you grew up wanting to make a difference, but now all you want to do is make money. What are you doing? And I think, you know, this is the jolt that, that, that many of us maybe need to get back on track. And maybe some of us need to really sit down and ponder this question, like, what am I, what am I really doing with my life? You know, what, what, what eternal difference am I making and so maybe some of you are there this morning. Maybe some of you are saying, Daniel, you know, you've, you've, you've hit it. I mean, you, you're talking to me. I'm all in. <clears throat> now, what do I need to do? What, what's the next step? Well, Jeremiah 4 says that here's the plan. This has always been the plan. It says, return to me, God. Okay, return to God through repentance. That's the second thing. Return to God through repentance. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4. In verse number one, the Bible says here, "If thou wilt return, O Israel," saith the Lord, "return unto me." And if thou wilt put away thine abominations, okay, talking about these idols again, these things that distract us, get them out of my sight, and then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth, in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, and here it is, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it, because the evil of your doings. So, again, I ask this question, does anyone here want more of God? Do we want to experience more of the fullness of Christ? Do we want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives? Do we want to see miraculous things happen? And I believe many of us would answer yes to that question. You know, we do. We want more of God. We want to experience miraculous things in our life. Well, if you want that, it's always the same. You know, repentance is not reserved for the moment of salvation. Repentance really is a lifestyle, okay? It's not like you just repent and, okay, I'm going to trust Christ, and now I'm done repenting. No, uh, repentance is something that we do uh, daily, really. It's a decision that we make. So some of you may say, well, you know, why does he say this? Circumcise your heart, return to me, break up your fallow ground. Well, we have to understand where they are here in this passage. Where are they headed? They're heading to Babylon, okay? They're heading away from their home. They're heading into captivity, they're going to be exiled from their country. And he's giving them words of wisdom of how to act and live when you're in captivity. Now, I know you, you may be thinking, well, you know, we're not in physical activity, uh, uh, captivity. We're not, you know, in a different country. And, but I do believe that there are some people in here who are living in captivity. Some of you in here are bound by addiction, by an addiction Some of you are bound by lust. Some of you are bound by self-image. You know, the way you look or, or you're trying to keep up with your neighbor. Some of you are bound by pornography. Some of you are held captive by what others think about you. Some of you are consumed with technology. Some of you are bound by pride. Some of you haven't really made a decision for the Lord in years because of your pride. Now, repentance requires humility, okay? Humility is the road to restoration. If, if we are going to repent, it, we have to be humble. We have to humble ourselves. And, uh, you know, as we study the Bible, we learn that God himself only resides in two places in the Bible. Did you know this? He only resides in two places. He resides in the high and holy places, and he resides with the contrite and humble people. Those are the only two places that God resides or abides in the Bible. High holy places and a contrite and humble people. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be where God is. You know, I want to be right where he is. I want to sit at his feet. I don't want to miss God. And, you know, one of the things that we teach our kids at home is that uh, we don't put up with lying. You know, we don't, we, we don't like lying. I don't think any of us do, right? Right. But that's just, that's just one thing. And there are many things, you know, obviously to deal with, with, with not just kids, but human beings, right? Sinful humans. But lying is just one thing that really gets to me. And so, and so we don't put up with it in our, in our house. Why? Because lying breaks trust. You know, if you don't have trust in a relationship, you really have nothing. You know, a marriage is built on trust. It's important to have trust in a marriage, Uh, A relationship, any relationship is built on trust. Parenting is built on trust. And so let me ask you this question. Do you like people lying to you? Do you like it when people lie to you? Would it be okay, husbands? Would it be okay for your wives to lie to you? What about you, wives? Is it okay for your husbands to lie? Children to lie? No, we don't don't like it. Let me ask you this. Why do we keep lying to ourselves? You know we hate lying so much, but why do why do we keep lying to ourselves? You know we we keep, I know I do, we keep telling ourselves that we're better than we really are. See, the greatest liar in my life is me, and I consistently lie to myself. You know you're not really that bad compared to so and so. You're not that bad, and we remain where we are because we tell ourselves that we're okay. We don't need to change. We're okay. And whenever you feel the temptation to play the comparison game, compare yourself to ultimate perfection in the person of Jesus Christ. That's who we compare to ourselves to. Because that's the standard for us. I'm not talking about your wife here, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about your husband, I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about your kids, you. Okay? Are you lying to yourself about where you are? You see, honesty, humility, Precedes repentance. Before God can do a work through you, he must first do a work, what? In you, right? Psalm 139 says it best, and I, I love this passage. This would be a good passage to, remember, uh, to memorize and use it as a prayer to the Lord. And I do that often. And uh, Psalm 139 verse 23 says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Here's what I know about the Holy Spirit. He never lies. Right? God never lies. And He always tells the truth when you ask Him. He always puts His finger to the pulse of a problem if you want to know about it. And so repentance is this. Repentance is recognizing that there is a problem that you can't fix yourself. And you need God to step in. And redeem it. Right? I can't do this myself. Now, uh, the reason we repent, Jeremiah says it. He says, if you don't fix the problem today, God will. And that's kind of a scary thing. You know, he says, if you don't fix the problem, God's going to. If you don't fix the problem through repentance and returning, God will do it. And what's his instrument to fix the problem of sin in our life? It's fire. Fire. Notice what he says here at the end of verse 4, Jeremiah 4. Lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Now, all through Scripture, God is connected with fire. You know, uh, the the Bible says that God is a consuming fire. Uh, Fire is good when used in the right place. Fire is bad if it's not used in the right place. So God is a consuming fire if we submit to him, right? We are filled with his spirit. He begins to produce in us joy and and love and and long-suffering and patience and mercy comes out. That's being consumed with the fire of God. You can also be consumed with the fire of God as the wrath of God, all right, for judgment and condemnation. So there's two different kinds of consuming. One's good, one's not so good. And what we see in the text is this. God loves us too much for us to waste our lives. God loves you too much... To let you coast, God loves me too much to let me throw my life away, so what does He do? He sends fire now I don 't know a lot about fire, but have you ever heard this expression uh, don't fight fire with fire, and I understand you know the context is different, but did you know that you can actually fight fire with fire? They do this many times uh, when a, there's a huge area that's on fire and it's out of control, what they'll do is they'll actually get ahead of the fire and they'll burn a portion, and it's called a controlled burn. And what happens is the, they control this burn, so when the fire that's raging and out of control reaches this place that's already burned, it loses steam, and, it, and it'll go out. And uh, that's a wonderful picture of repentance. You know, Repentance is asking God by His fire to remove the sin in our lives ahead of time before He comes and consumes us. That's repentance. Now, I don't know what you need to repent of today. Um, I, but I really believe this. I do believe this. That today could be the beginning of the rest of your life. I believe that if you get real with God today, that he will get real with you. I believe that, that today is the day that you can get it right. Uh, he's going to get real with you. If you identify areas where you've strayed, you get real about your sin, you humble yourself, you surrender to him, you confess your sin and repent and return to him, get this, he will return to you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a wonderful truth? That if, if I just die to self, and I, and I tell Satan, you know, I'm sick of it. I, you know, I'm done with this. I'm going to get it right. And we go to God, we humble ourselves, and we say, God, I've been dealing with this for far too long. God welcomes us with open arms. And he says, man, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you. And he will return to us. Listen, it's time, really, for us to stop playing games with God. It's time for us to stop lying to ourselves. Today's the day that we can get it right. Now, some of you are in the midst of some things that are... I mean, if we were to put it up on these screens, you would be horrified, right? And none of us would, none of us would enjoy that. But if the church found out about your hidden sin... Listen, you know, we may not see it, but God does. Okay, I don't, I don't know what you're going through... I don't know what you need to repent of. Um, You know, most of my relationships uh, in this room are, I mean, sadly, this isn't anything to be proud of, but it's kind of a surface relationship where, you know, we see each other like once a week. And I mean, I've gone, you know, I know some of you better than others, but I don't know what you're going through, but God does. And we need to stop lying to ourselves. And so today is the day that we can get it right. You know, some of you, I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there, okay? And it it sounds wild, but it it could be. Some of you may be in the midst of an adulterous affair. I don't know. I'm not thinking of anyone, okay? And maybe no one knows but you and the person. Well, you 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 need to stop. It's better to confess now than to get caught later, I promise you. Uh, It's better for you to confess the sin of pornography now than for it to ruin your life later. And in a room this size, I would say there's at least a handful of us here that struggles with pornography. And you need to repent of it. It's not going to help. It's going to ruin your life. And again, it's better to confess now than for someone to find out. It's better to confess your pride now than for it to eat at you for the rest of your life. Listen, again, I'm just throwing things out there. I don't know what sins you're struggling with. I don't. I have no one in mind when I preach this message, only myself. But what I do know is, is today's the day. Like, you, you need to take care of it today. Don't, don't, don't go on any longer You know, ask the Lord to shine his light on your heart and and just get real with God. Listen, you can't fix yourself. You can't do it. You can't strategize your way out of this. You can only repent. And here's how the Lord works. Our humiliation leads to his exaltation. So I'm going to ask you uh, this morning, as we uh, bow our heads, we can go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. Leslie, if you'll come to the piano and just begin playing something. No one looking around. You know, some of us, we need to come to the end of ourselves. And, and really what you're going to find is that's the beginning of God. And uh, just be honest about your sin. Ask God to remove it. And um, let's just return to the Lord today. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. And as Leslie plays... If you feel God speaking to you about something specific, I would invite you to come to this altar and pray, and repent of it, get it right with him, just get it get it right with him. Maybe you need to talk to someone after the service. Uh, whatever it is, let's take care of it today. Let me pray for you Lord.